There are a lot of people who work to make Welcome to Night Vale possible. Beyond Jeffrey, Cecil, and I, there are guest writers who we endeavor to pay at above market rates. Guest voices, uh, Disparition, who composes all of the music and does the sound design and editing. We have the artists who design our merch and the, the company that manages and ships the merch. We have Jessica Hayworth, who makes original art for every single episode. We have Joella, who manages all the business side of things, and Meg, who runs the touring side of things, and all the people who do the behind-the-scenes stuff on tours. For every person you see working on Night Vale, there's like three to five more you don't see. And and how we keep all those people paid and paying their bills is our Patreon. Without our Patreon, and I, I mean this, there is no show. We have all sorts of fun bonuses for patrons, like Patreon-only episodes, director's notes on every episode, Zoom hangouts with the Night Vale crew, and, and a lot of other stuff. But at its heart, you are helping keep this show alive. Please consider doing that if you are financially able. Welcome to nightvale.com. Click on Patreon. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law you take the good you take the bad you take them both and there you have spiders crawling out of a red velvet cupcake welcome to night vale start today's show with some exciting agricultural news. John Peters, you know, the farmer, said his winter orange crop is outstanding this year. He said there are oranges everywhere. Delicious clementines, juicy valencias, rich navels, and bold blood oranges. John said there are so many oranges, a real bumper crop, he said. A real orange-tacular, he did not say. A real orange-a-thon, he never would have said. A real orange-ocalypse, he may have thought, but kept to himself. John, speaking to a pack of local reporters, and backed by a group of farmers wearing black double-breasted suits and red silk ties, said this is the dawning of a new citrus economy in Nightvale. John said, Citrus is our future. Citrus holds the key to prosperity. Citrus holds the key to health. One particular orange here literally holds the key to a one-sided door in the middle of the desert. If you find that orange, John said, I will pay you dearly for it. Or rather, John corrected himself, 
you will pay dearly for it. Then John said, either way, whatever. Would love to have that orange, my friend. Would love to have that orange. Yes, sir, he punctuated. Or ma'am, or neither. I mean, whoever. Sure would love to have that orange. He chuckled while sweating and adjusting his wooden hat. John then tossed some oranges to the reporters. The reporters caught the oranges and then began to disappear and reappear, blinking in and out of existence. Quickly at first, then slowly, then more out of existence than in, until they were all gone. More on this story as it develops. The city council announced today that they just can't be here anymore. They said this in unison, standing in a cramped meeting room and wearing tiny rectangular sunglasses. They added that they wish us all the best in our final weeks. Then, they made the standard American Sign Language I love you gesture as smoke filled the room. Witnesses said the smoke smelled of maple and was a little briny, but not unpleasantly so. When the haze cleared, the city council was still standing in the room, apologizing, claiming, this usually works, and then, no longer speaking in unison, casting blame on each other for not believing hard enough, and that if it weren't for so-and-so, they'd all be on a beach somewhere, safe from the bears or whatever those things are. When asked for an explanation about the bears, or whatever those things are, the council simply whispered in unison, Mistakes! No follow-up questions were asked, as the reporters became physically and emotionally occupied with the dozens of agitated starlings that began pouring from the air conditioning duct. You know, listeners, I've been thinking about John Peter's Orange Grove. I did a little digging online and found that orange trees are not native to deserts. I also emailed my boyfriend, Carlos, about this. He's a scientist, which kind of makes me a scientist, too. Here's Carlos's email back to me just now. Cecil, I'll do my best to answer your questions. But do know that I don't specialize in botany or dendrology. I am a scientist. I study science, not plants or nature. I did drive out past John's farm a month ago, and there wasn't a single tree, just acres and acres of rocky, cracked, flat ground. There's no way he could have grown anything natural on that land, let alone a bountiful orange grove especially in just a few weeks. As far as your other question goes, let's stay home tonight. We ate out last night. Plus, there's a new documentary about scatterplot matrices on Netflix I've been wanting to see. Also, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is on TBS again. We could rewatch that. I'll make pasta if you can pick up some, um, etc., 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 
Carlos goes on about weekend bowling plans. You, you know what? You don't need all this. Okay, I think that's all he had about the orange trees. I do hope we watch Liberty Valance, though. <laughs> I love that film. And now, a word from our sponsors. Tired of waiting in line at the post office? Scared of the unexplained blood pouring from the P.O. boxes? Confused by screams that no one else hears? Terrified of leaving your home? Try Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can print your own postage and avoid the long lines and predatory birds so common at the post office. You can even have your postal carrier pick up your packages, as long as you are careful to never look the carrier in the eyes, as this is a sign of aggression, and you may scare your postal carrier away. Stamps.com has a special offer for Night Vale Community Radio listeners. Sign up today and receive a bag of magic rocks, $50 worth of self-loathing, and a free scale, so you can arbitrarily assign numbers to material objects. To claim your new member benefits, simply visit stamps.com and press your forehead against the radio mic in the upper right of your screen until your entire body falls forward into the alternate Stamps.com universe. Stamps.com will tell your family you loved them very much. Stamps.com will tell your family that Stamps.com loves them very much. Come here, family. You are all our family now, Stamps.com will say stretching their many boneless arms around your terrified family. Come here. We are all loving family. Stamps.com. You live in a dying world. We love you. Ladies and gentlemen, we've just received word that the Ralphs is stocked full of fresh orange juice from John's farm. It's called J.P.'s O.J., where the O in O.J. is a bright cartoonish sun with big pink eyes and a strained toothy smile. And the J is a sickle the sun is using to slice down ripe oranges from a large tree. Adam Bear, weekday shift manager at the Ralphs, said they have removed all other produce to stock JP oranges, and even emptied out the refrigerators to fully showcase all of JP's mouth-watering stock of fresh juice. Even several of the dry goods aisles had to be cleared out, Adam said, pulling oranges from his apron pockets. He continued pulling oranges from his tiny pocket, mesmerized by their seeming infinitude, and unable to continue speaking as he began to blink out of existence. Listeners, we here at Nightvale Community Radio need to offer 
the following correction. In a previous broadcast, we described the world as real. We indicated, using our voice, that it was made up of many real objects and entities, and we gave descriptions of these disparate parts. We even went so far as to ascribe action and agency to some of these entities. But, as we all know, nothing can be fully understood to be real. Any description of the world we give is simply the world we experience, which is to say a narrative we force onto whatever horror or void lies behind the scrim of our perception. We at the station offer our deepest, most humble apologies for the previous erroneous report. We affirm once again that nothing is real, including this correction, and least of all, your experience of hearing it. This has been Corrections. More now on the Orange Grove. Intern Maureen brought it to my attention that until today, John Peters, you know, the farmer, has been missing for about four months. Former intern Dana was the last to see him. Unfortunately, we do not know where Dana was when she saw him. We are also unclear as to when Dana was, as time and space seem to not apply to Dana these days. She's been without a phone charger for about eight months now, and we're still texting. Also, I'm not sure how she's been paying her cell phone bill. Maureen? What is that? Maureen, that's not a glass of orange juice you're drinking, is it? Oh, I see. She got it from our station break room, not from the Ralphs, so it's probably safe then. Oh, well, thank you for the offer, Maureen, but I'm still working on my coffee. Maureen? Is everything okay? Listeners? Maureen is just staring at me, silent, a single bead of sweat running down her left temple. She is staring now at the orange juice. She is biting her upper lip with her lower jaw and breathing through her nose. Her cheeks are flushing and she is shaking her head very, very slightly. That looks like a no. Is that a no, Maureen? Listeners, I... I think that's a no from Maureen. Oh. Oh, dear. Maureen just flickered. Like she was there, and then she wasn't, and then she was. Like when a plane flies in front of the sun, and the light leaves for a brief moment as you wonder, for just that split second, is this it? Is it over? Only to have the sun return as your brain hears the faint hum of a distant jet, and you sigh with relief and disappointment that everything is as it was. A similar thing just happened with Maureen. Listen, Maureen, I'm... She is backing out of the studio. She is backing out of the studio. She has dropped the glass. She is flickering. She is flickering. She is gone.
listeners, Maureen is gone. I hear no hum of jets. I, I see no intern, just an open door and an empty glass and a spreading stain. To the family of intern Maureen. She was a good intern with a beautiful puppy and a chatty neighbor. She will be missed. Wait, uh, I just got another email from Carlos, marked urgent. He says, Cecil, just talk to my team of scientists who have been investigating the house that doesn't exist. The one in the Desert Creek housing development that looks like it exists, like it's right there when you look at it, and it's between two other identical houses, so it would make more sense for it to be there than not. That one. They still have not gotten up the courage to go inside the house, but they did peek in the window and they saw John Peters. You know, the farmer. They saw John sitting in a chair in an empty room staring at a picture on the wall. They could not see what was in the picture, but John was sitting quietly, staring at it, not moving. They called his name. They tried dialing his phone, but he did not respond. They even knocked on the door. Nothing. Whoever this John Peters is selling oranges and orange juice is not the John Peters we know. Also, I take it back. I think we should go out to eat tonight. I tried to go to the store, but they're completely out of pasta, tomatoes, herbs, scissors, fire, everything. Well, now that is... Listeners, someone is pounding on the studio door. Despite the brightly lit on-air do not disturb sign we always put out. Dear listeners, John Peters just came to visit... I should talk with him. Maybe this is a good time for us to go to the wet. No, wait, stop. John, John, no.
Listeners. Oh, listeners, what a fretful few moments we just had. John Peters, you know, the imposter. He burst into our studio and tried forcing me to eat an orange. I attempted to reason with him, attempted to talk about our old bowling league and the wood shop class he used to teach. I even asked him about the hilarious times we used to have standing silent and trance-like in front of the ancient chalk spire, predecessor to the current brown stone spire. Our mouths frothing, our minds spinning, our ventricles slowing. But John did not acknowledge any of these fond memories. As a last resort, with the orange nearing my face and my back pressing hard against the sharp edge of my broadcast table, I grabbed my phone to tell Carlos that if I didn't make it home tonight, it wasn't because I didn't love him or didn't want to watch a documentary on special scientific graphs or was too obsessed with my job to relax and enjoy a good meal and some television. It was only because I was zapped out of existence by a lunatic, non-John Peters. And that, in fact, I do love Carlos, and I would want nothing more than to watch a documentary on scientific graphs over some homemade linguine, or to go out to eat again, or whatever. But then, as I grabbed my phone, I thought, eh, that's way too long to write for a text. So, I just hit John Peters upside the head with it, knocking him unconscious. And the sheriff's secret police came to carry the fake John away, telling me that I didn't see anything here. But then the Strexcorp-affiliated station management arrived and asked the sheriff and his secret police to stand down, and that they, the secret police, didn't see anything here and to move along like nothing happened. The secret police nodded and quietly shuffled out of the building, heads facing down at their shoes. There's still an empty OJ glass on the floor. The carpet around it is dark, not with liquid stain, but with void. The spilled juice has taken the rug wherever it has taken Maureen, wherever it has taken the reporters, wherever it probably took the real John Peters, you know, the farmer. Oh. My producer, Daniel, just gave me a disapproving smile as he handed me this note. Strexcorp Sinternists, Inc., majority shareholder of JP's OJ LTD, is recalling all oranges and juices due to And here, there's just a dark red smudge across the words. Strexcorp apologizes for any inconveniences, disappearances, lethargy, and or multiplicity you may have experienced. Oh, Carlos texted. No pasta, but there's leftover falafel and an unopened bag of nutmeg seeds to snack on. XO, 
XO. And then there's an emoji of uh, two dinosaurs chasing an early 80s Ford Mustang up a palmetto-lined suburban street as some residents look on, shocked and scared, a few laughing, others undisturbed as they mow their lawns or sculpt their fruit-shaped topiary bushes. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, that's very cute. Listeners, let me release my own special announcement. Cecil Palmer would like to not be late for dinner. Stay tuned next for an hour that will feel like minutes, but will in actuality take weeks. Good night, Night Vale. Good night. Welcome to Night Vale is a production of Commonplace Books. It is written by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner and produced by Joseph Fink. The voice of Night Vale is Cecil Baldwin. Original music by Disparition. All of it can be found at disparition.info or at disparition.bandcamp.com. This episode's weather was Black, White, and Red by Emerus Cronin. Find out more at soundcloud.com slash cronin Comments, questions, email us at nightvale at commonplacebooks.com or follow us on Twitter at Nightvale Radio. Check out welcometonightvale.com for more information on this show as well as all sorts of cool Nightvale stuff you can own. And while you're there, consider clicking the donate link. That'd be cool of you. Today's proverb. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single command from a satellite-activated mind-control chip. Hey y'all, it's Jeffrey Craner. So I do another fiction podcast called Within the Wires, which are stories told through the guise of found audio. Each season is a separate tale. You want a prison escape told through relaxation tapes? That's season one. Want a love story that unfurls through voice messages only? Season five. How about the revelations of an unexplained death told through a series of museum audio guides? Season two. There are seven seasons of Within the Wires for you to binge right now, each only 10 episodes long. So go get Within the Wires wherever you get your podcasts. From P- 